Well, this morning we're going to be looking at a uh, parable in Luke chapter 16. And we've been talking about, uh, I think, the last two Sundays, or maybe last Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, about unjust gain. What is unjust gain? And the world teaches me that uh, it's all about gambling and buying lottery tickets and going to Vegas and unjust gain is that. And when someone tells me that, I always like to ask a question. Well, is it only a sin if you win? <laughs> if you don't gain, is it not a sin then? So anyway, unjust gain, it was a very interesting study. Uh, so we, to, I guess to make a quick point on that, we don't have any gain that's ours. All gain would go and honor and glory would go to the Lord. So no gain that would come to us. So Luke chapter 16, and the reason I'm thinking about that, this is the opposite. So we, we looked at some, and uh, we looked at some soothsayers and some prophets. So they brought great gain to their masters. And uh, other places where they brought gain, and, and Israel was not allowed to charge usury or interest whenever they would loan something to another Israelite uh, because that would be unjust gain if they would if they would gain from that and put their brothers in uh, would oppress them by this high interest or usury and of course it wasn't talking about to us not a physical thing but yet uh, they would they would uh, burden people and uh, and put this oppression and bondage on them by this usury or this stuff that they had to pay back. So this, in Luke, is just the opposite of that. We see one uh, that is doing the opposite. He is wasting his master's goods. So it's just the opposite of that. But I think it's very interesting. And as we, a parable, of course, it's, it's symbolic representation. It represents certain things. So we have a lot of things symbolized here in this. We probably won't get it finished today. But as I read these verses here, some of the things that are symbolized are, and you can, as we read it, you can look for these things. The rich man, the unjust steward, the rich man's goods. The debtors and Lord. And there's two different Lords here, and that's very important to understand this. There's two different Lords, if you can catch as we read it. Uh, and there's sons of this world are represented. So we'll read this and uh, uh, see if you can recognize some of those things, and, and we'll try to, uh, to study and see what they represent and what it means to us today. But again, this is the opposite of the ones getting unjust gain and, and getting gain for their masters and everything. So Luke 16 and, and verse 1. And he said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said to him, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? I remember a point in my life, uh, I asked that, What shall I do? Uh, what shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me, my Lord 
taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg, I am ashamed. Just a quick little thought here. Basically, what the steward is saying now, I can't make it on my own. And uh, we all come to that place. Uh, in verse uh, uh, 4, I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called everyone his Lord's debtors unto him, and said to the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, sit down, and quickly write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. Now, it's important to understand this is the end of the parable. So it's a parable. But we're going to continue reading because our Lord is speaking here. So that, that was the, the end of the parable. And our, our Lord, who's, of course, uh, speaking the parable to them. But in verse 8, And the Lord commanded the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the sons of this world or age are in their generation wiser than the sons of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon, or money, mammon I like, for the mammon of unrighteousness, that when it fails, and it will, and when it fails, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust in much. If therefore you have not been faithful unto the unrighteous mammon, who will commit unto your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they who justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses unto it. So, very interested. It was, uh, was very confusing to me for many years. I just I couldn't make sense of it. Uh, so we have the rich man we have the unjust steward we have the rich man's goods we have the debtors uh, we have two different lords and we have the sons of this age or sons of this world one of the first things we need to understand is 
this rich man does not symbolize our Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, then the goods that was wasted are not the Lord's goods that was wasted. Now, I, it may be hard to get this in our mind because we look at the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents, there's a, a man from a far country and gave his servants talents. And uh, then when he come back, well, you know, the one of them had gained, he gave five, he gained five more. One, he gave two, he gained two more. One, he gave one and didn't gain any. So there, that man traveling uh, went to the far country. That was representing the Lord. But here, this rich man is not representing the Lord. Uh, sometimes the rich man may make us... Uh, think that. You remember the rich man Lazarus. The rich man was in Hades. Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. So the rich man was not uh, the Lord there and the rich man is not the Lord in this parable. So rich man. There was a rich man here. He had a steward. We can study in the scriptures sometimes rich Seems to be good. Sometimes rich seems to be bad, positive or negative. So what can we look at to see uh, what he was rich in? And I'm, I was going to quote this, but let's go back to Proverbs chapter 13. I like really looking at these things. Proverbs chapter 13 tells us in verse 8, so what's this rich man, what's his riches? What's valuable to him? Well, Proverbs 13 and 8 gives us a very good clue. The ransom of a man's life are his riches. The ransom of a man's life are his riches. What's the ransom of your life? I brought some little props here uh, this morning. If I got some off bug spray here. If this was a ransom for my life, this would be great value to me. This would be my riches. I would, I would guard this and put it in a safe and, and, or hide it. But I would guard this basically with my life. If this was a ransom for my life, this will be my riches. This will, I'll put great value in this. Or if baking soda was a ransom in my life, I would put great value in this. This would be my riches. And I'd probably want to accumulate more of it probably. And then I brought hand sanitizer. If hand sanitizer was a ransom of my life, I'd put great value on this. So this bottle here that may look like a bottle of whiskey was hand sanitizer. When COVID first hit, hand sanitizer, you couldn't find it anywhere. Actually, it became pretty valuable. And the Fruits Pharmacy, the chamber told me they was getting some in. So we went and bought several cases of this, and that's one of them left over. So that's going to be my memory of uh, COVID and everything. But if this was the rest of my life, I would put great value on it. So that's what it says in Proverbs 13 there. 
The ransom of a man's life, that's his riches. So what is the ransom of your life? In Matthew chapter 20, I'm just going to read one verse there. Uh, Matthew chapter 20 and uh, verse 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So I know all of you here trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as the ransom of your life, the ransom of your soul. That's where your riches are. As we look at the religious world and their doctrine, what do they base their going to heaven on? Because, again, that's going to be their riches. Whatever they base, base it on, that's going to be their riches. And you know what it is? It's their own self-righteousness. I like to look, uh, if we want to determine if somebody's rich, we look at their assets, things that they own. We look at their liabilities, things that they owe. So we look at the religious world, and, uh, oh, they've got, they've got a lot of assets. They... Uh, they have chosen the Lord by their free will. Uh, they turned over a new leaf. Uh, they are the nice citizens, keep all the laws of the land, doing the best they can do, holding on faithful to the end. So this is all the things that they say they have, that they're rich in, but we go over here, what do they owe? According to them, they don't owe anything. It's their own free will. So they are rich. They're rich in their own self-righteousness. Well, what, what about you? What about me? So we look over here. There are things that we have that we consider assets, have spiritual life, very valuable. Belong to the Lord. Giving us eyes and ears to see. So we look at all these things that we have, but we look over here at our liabilities. We owe the Lord for all, don't we? We owe him for our spiritual life. We owe him for our eternal life. Uh, we owe him for our spiritual eyes and ears that we can see and hear. So when it comes down, we owe him for everything. So we are poor in that respect. But the religious world is rich. The rich in their own self-righteousness. And uh, I was going to look it up before we started this morning. I forgot about it. Isaiah 64 and 10, I believe it is, says, we're all as an unclean thing. And all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. And I've got a real filthy rag back in there and I forgot to look it up. But then, or forgot to yeah, look it up and bring it out here. But, so they're holding up their self-righteousness and the scripture says we're all an unclean thing. All of our righteousness is just as filthy rags. But that's what their riches are. That's what their riches are. So they think they're rich and they're free will. They're getting to heaven on the basis of their choices and their decisions. They don't need anything. And we see this in Revelation chapter 3, the church of Laodicea there. <clears throat> they were, uh, there were some, at least some that were there that felt this way. 
Uh, Revelation chapter 3, I'll just read one verse there. Uh, Revelation 3 and uh, 17. Again, this is the church at Laodicea that had some in there. This is what they were saying in verse 17. It says, and the Lord says to them, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? Well, of course, they didn't know that. But the true condition, that's what it was. They were naked. They had no coverings for their sin. They were blind. Their eyes hadn't been opened. But they said, and as you talk to people in the religious world, so many of them say that I'm a free moral agent. My salvation is up to me. I am self-contained. I can make the right decision. I can turn I, I, I. That's Satan's doctrine, by the way. So, th there are some, again, even church at Laodicea. No, we don't need anything. Well, that's what they're rich in their own self-righteousness. We don't need anything. Well, they don't realize it, but they're naked and poor and wretched and blind. So now back in Luke 16, let's start to work our way through it a little bit. Verse 1. And he said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. So we discussed this rich man. We know this rich man is not the Lord. And uh, another scripture, I, I didn't read it, but it talked about one uh, being rich in his own conceits. And that's kind of those that lay out of sea were rich in that same respect. My dad used to talk about a certain individual that was very conceited. He'd say, I'd like to buy them for what they're worth and sell them for what they think they're worth. They were rich in their own conceit. They weren't really rich. They really weren't anything, but they thought that they were. Same way those Laodicea. Oh, we don't need anything. We're rich increase of goods. Well, actually, they were naked before God because they didn't have any covering for their sin. So we know this rich man is not uh, the Lord, and he's rich in his own conceits. He's justified by his own works. He doesn't really trust in the Lord. Trust in himself. So we can see that in our world today. But as we look at this, what we're studying here in Luke 16, these that are rich in their own self-righteousness, they trust in their own self-righteousness. The ransom of their soul is their riches. And the ransom of the soul is themselves. So as we look at these characters, who is this? And, you know, and I didn't see this for years, but it tells us very plainly, Luke 16 and 14. And to the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they who justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. So he said, You're the one, you're the rich man. You're the one that, that uh, uh, 
You are they that justify yourselves before men. So that tells us the Pharisees was the rich man here. You're the one. Justify yourself before men. And we see this uh, in Matthew chapter 23. We'll be coming back to this in Luke. But Matthew chapter 23, he tells the Pharisees the same thing there, actually. Matthew 23 and 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisees, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside then may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are then full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity." So this is the same thing those at Laodicea. They cleaned the outside of the club uh, regarding things of the Mosaic law, which is what the Pharisees trusted in. They said, actually, you're not clean. You may clean the outside of the cup, but the inside you're not. So this is the Pharisee. This is the rich man. The rich man is the Pharisee, rich in his own self-righteousness, rich in his own conceit. He thinks that salvation is based upon what he does, doesn't need the Lord, doesn't need anything. Uh, with saying that song, years I spent in vanity and, vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. Those that are rich in their own self-righteousness well, they don't need a Savior. Now, they'll say they do, but you understand, what part does he play? What part does a Savior play in their salvation according to them? He's a cheerleader. He's rooting you on. But that's how they view it. Uh, so these goods then... In our parable, these goods are not the Lord's goods, or not the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're the Pharisees' goods, their doctrine, their self-righteousness. That's the goods that the steward ended up wasting. But he wasn't wasting the goods of, of the Lord. So, uh, maybe another example here. I knew a man... He was in a uh, false church, and uh, he was exposed to the truth later. So in this false church, they would say, uh, you know, it's up to me to choose the Lord. That was, that was their riches. That was their goods. And then he'd maybe read them scriptures. No, it's the Lord that chose us before the foundation of the world. And in this church, false church, so-called church, they would teach that it's up to you to keep the law for your salvation. 
And he'd read him scriptures that no man justified by the works of the law. Many would say, baptism is the way of salvation. Baptism is the way to get to heaven. But then you read them scriptures, Jesus Christ is the way, is the way, singular. So what would this individual have done? Wasted their goods. Their, their goods are, uh, you know, you, you choose, you make the right decision, you keep the law, and, and you hold on faithful to the end, and you all, that's their goods. And this individual was wasting their goods. And I pray you would do the same thing if you was in that position. And by the way, later, he, uh, when he was exposed to the truth, his first thought was, well, go back and, I, and I'll, I'll show them, I'll teach them. And they didn't want to hear it. Well, they didn't actually exclude him. <laughs> but he later went back, uh, and maybe this church was in a rural community, I'm not sure, but he kind of broke into this church building and went in, took his name literally off of the books. So uh, he didn't want to be part of that. But anyway, uh, but he was wasting their goods. They wasn't happy about it. So now back in our text. Uh, and he said also to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward and the same accused, same was accusing him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be steward. Then the steward said with himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg, I'm ashamed. I'm resolved what to do that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Again, this used to be very confusing to me. But one thing I want to ask. His master, or the rich man, had accused him of wasting his goods. So did this steward then take steps to make sure that he could stay a steward? No, did just the opposite. He went out and wasted more of his goods. He did just the opposite. He took no steps to secure his position as a steward for this rich man that he was basically helping him get gain, and, and I believe it was unjust gain. I believe there's interest and usury there, as the scriptures and law did not allow. But he went out, instead of saying, okay, I'll straighten up, I, I promise, he went out and wasted more goods. And we see that, verse 5, So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, how much, thou, how much owest thou, my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, How much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. So he's wasting more goods. And I know the, if you look at this earthly in the religious world, um, well, actually, I've never heard him actually uh, try to explain this. But that's all, oh, yeah, if he's wasting, you know, if you work for somebody and you're wasting their goods and so forth, 
And they try to apply this earthly to it. And, and it, it doesn't fit. It won't fit at all. So he went out and he wasted more goods. He didn't try to make things right to this rich man who was his master, who was his Lord. He didn't try to make things right. He went out and wasted more of his goods. And again, his riches, we know what his riches was. The ransom of a man's soul is his riches. And, and they believe that their riches was their self-righteousness. So he went out and wasted more of it. So what was the result of that? Well, okay, boy, he was dishonest. That was not something he should have done. That's, if we look at it earthly, we may come up with that. Yeah, he was working for this guy, and now he's dishonest to this guy. That's a bad thing. If we look at it earthly, we might think that way. But what does the scripture say? Again, the, the parable ends in verse uh, 7. But what does verse 8 say? And the Lord, this is not his Lord, the rich man. This is the end of the parable. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Uh, Proverbs 12 and 8 says, A man shall be commended according to his wisdom. So the Lord commended, not condemned. The Lord commended this unjust steward. Why? Because he had done wisely. Not because he had done bad and he, wasted, he should have worked better for this guy. That's not what it says. The Lord commanded, you've done a good thing. He commended him because he had done wisely. This was a show of wisdom. Wasting, well, yeah, wasting basically the goods of his master, the rich man. So this was a show of wisdom that he had wasted these goods. Something else uh, we read down in uh, verse 3 when the steward uh, said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg, I'm ashamed. What he's saying here, verse 3, I can't make it on my own. He didn't, I don't think he had, let me say this, we're seeing the conversion of this steward is what we're seeing. That's what's pictured here. A conversion of this steward. And he had been, I believe, fruitful in getting gain for his earthly master, this rich man. But now we're seeing uh, some conflict within himself. He said, but I can't make it on my own. And I remember coming to that place. That's a great place to come to. Can't make it on my own. The rich man, well... And uh, so back in verse 8, And the Lord commended the unjust to it because he had done wisely. And then it says, For the sons of this world, or this age, are in their generation wiser than the sons of light. Generation here is a, is a group of people having the same uh, ideas or, or uh, uh, same age or something like that. What is saying here? They're wise 
among themselves. Among themselves, with earthly wisdom, they're wise. The people that believe that they're free moral agents and free will, they are wise in their own conceits. And among themselves, certainly they think they're wiser than those people that, that believe you get to heaven by what the Lord did. So then, uh, so uh, the Lord commanded him, you've done a good thing, you've done wisely. He commanded him because he had done wisely. And, uh, of course, the others, uh, they don't believe that. They, they're wise among themselves. But then verse uh, 9, And I, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, and I say unto you, this is instruction for us as well, and I say unto you, make yourself friends of the mammon, of unrighteousness, that when it fails, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. So he says, make friends of this mammon of unrighteousness. And all this is symbolizing false doctrine, of course. This mammon uh, uh, is, is symbolizing false doctrine because it says, uh, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. So this is mammon of unrighteousness. And we're just, I'll just spit it out, false doctrine. You mean we're supposed to compromise? That's not what it's saying. It's saying, make yourself familiar with this false doctrine. That you understand what they mean by it, uh, this false doctrine. So no, we're not to compromise. But we're to make friends. We're, we're to understand what they're thinking when they're trusting in this false doctrine. And it says... Why? It says that when it fails, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. When it fails, and it will fail. Uh, try to think of a crazy example here. Let's say uh, I'm driving or you're driving and... Uh, Someone, a car runs another car out of the road, and they go over there, and they break some of the suspension parts. And there they are kind of stuck and everything. And uh, they get out some duct tape. Well, I'll just duct tape this steel together, and, uh, and it'll work. And I'll say, no, you know, I, I know what you're, you're saying there and everything. Duct tape is pretty good for a lot of things. But I've got a welder back here. Let me just weld that for you. No, this duct tape will work. Well, will it fail? If you got a piece of steel, a suspension, you put it back together with duct tape, it's going to fail. So it says, make yourself friends of this unrighteous mammon that when it fails. An example of this is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I think Paul uh, uh, shows us very clearly here, actually. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, making friends of this uh, unrighteous mammon. Understand what it is. Understand what they're trusting in. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 20, Paul says, 
Uh, well, we'll start in verse 19. For though I am free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And if you study Paul, you'll know that this gain, of course, is uh, of and through the Lord. Uh, verse 20. And to the Jew, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law. Not being myself under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law. Being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. That I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as the weak. That I might gain the weak. That I made all things to all men, that I might by some means save some. And again, uh, it's the Lord working in Paul, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But those that are weak, put yourself in their shoes is what it's saying. He says, well, as the weak, with the weak. Uh, those that believe in their righteousness through the law of Moses. Be friends with them. Understand what they're believing. And when it fails. In other words, you ask a question, can you keep all those laws you're talking about? When it fails, then uh, that's the time to give them the true word. In other words, you're, you're wasting more of their goods. Uh, they look at the law. We might talk to them about blended garments. Do you, do you wear 100% this or that, or is your garment blended? We might tell them, then, under the law, under the letter of the law, you can't wear blended garments. The spirit of the law means Jesus Christ is our covering. He's our garment, and you don't mix that with anything. So then, back in our text, Again, in uh, so that was verse 9. And I say unto you, make yourself friends uh, of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when it fails, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. When it fails, whenever they see, and there's one individual I've been trying to talk with some, he, uh, Satan wants you to be sick. And God wants you to be well. He's given Satan equal power with God. And uh, I understand where he's coming from, but my prayer is that uh, as the Lord calls me to talk to him, that he'll see that that fails. And we'll show him what doesn't fail. Uh, so then uh, in verse 10... He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust in much. So understand this. We can go to the parable of talents. The one that uh, he gave five and he gained five more. The Lord said, you've been faithful in a few things. I'll make thee rule over many. And the one, he gave two, and he gained two more. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over much. So 
That's what this is saying. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in much. But it goes on to say, uh, he that is unjust in the least is also unjust in much. So we look at the one in the parable of talents that the Lord gave one talent. But was he faithful at talent? No, he's unfaithful at talent. So he was unfaithful to much, wasn't he? Uh, so I, it looks like we're maybe going to have to stop here. So as we look at this, again, the rich man, and Lord willing, will take us up tonight. The rich man is not the Lord. The rich man was the Pharisees. The goods that the steward was wasting was not the Lord's truth. He was wasting the false doctrines of the Pharisees. And, of course, the Pharisees, again, were going to kick him out and everything. But he didn't, at this point, his eyes are beginning to be open. He didn't take steps to stay in that position. He wasted more. And then our Lord commended him because he had done wisely. And it talks about uh, trust and, and who's going to give you true riches and so forth. Still very interesting. Lord willing, we'll bring that up tonight. So may the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed. <laughs>